Thank you for tuning in to the Naked Eye Podcast. You are listening with your favorite host, Chanel Marie Anderson. And we are currently going to be going through an interview with Dominique Anderson, who has previously worked in law enforcement. And I thought it would be great to get this insight from someone who has been on the inside and has actually had to deal with these police officers and the environment that they're in. So if you're interested in hearing more and getting to know the other side of things, go ahead and continue to listen. And I hope that you continue to like, share, and subscribe. Thank you guys for tuning into the Naked Eye Podcast. This is your host, Chanel Marie Anderson. And today is a special episode uh, due to the climate of everything that we have going on in society with uh, the riots and everything due to the death of, unfortunate death of George Floyd. Um, but I do have a very special guest, uh, Mr. Anderson from the Mr. Anderson Show. If you go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. As you say it, I am Dominique Anderson from the Mr. Anderson Show. But we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, today I'm on as her guest to help shed light on some of the issues that are going on um, in the world today. Thank you for being a part of this because I know this is a very racy subject um, and I know that a lot of people are very emotional about it. A lot of people are very, um, you know, just really high emotions in the air. Some people aren't thinking rationally about the decisions they're making and then, you know, people are basing things off of, uh, basing their facts off of things that aren't factual and it's really hard to... um, kind of levy the true hardcore facts compared to you know fabricated facts Mm -hmm. so with you having experience in the uh, police field I just wanted you to give me a little bit of your background how long were you in the police force and how did you get started sure Um, so I was with the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Department for a few years I kind of got my way in off of a off a fluke you know it started with anything with me having to do with security um i was dating a, a girl long 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 time ago like i say um and <laughs> things were going a little rough between us so she filled out a job for me to do loss uh, mm-hmm. loss prevention i ended up doing loss prevention which led to security somewhere else and i actually kind of started liking it so after years of doing that i said you know what let me try my foot in law enforcement um, so then that's when I, you know, put in applications with several different agencies and the sheriff's department here was the one that gave me a call back. Okay. And being an African-American male as a police officer, what would you say your experience was as just, you know, being, I would believe the minority in such a mm-hmm. like saturated white yeah, no. Community. 
the uh, the environment was definitely uh, capital R, capital O, capital U, capital G, capital H. It was rough. Um, <laughs> it is. No, seriously, it is. Because as a black man going into a predominantly white field, white officers only view you as a nigga with a badge. And these are your coworkers. Mm-hmm. You know, these mm-hmm. are the people that you sit there and you say, I'm going to go to war with you as long as you go to war with me. But you just a nigga with a badge. They still see you as just another black male. And then on the flip side, it's rough because in society, when you come back to your own neighborhood and your own people and you kick it with them, they look at you and they don't want to mess with you no more because you are a cop. And they right. think that you out here just, you know, gonna rat them out. Like I had, you know, guys back then that was selling drugs, doing this and blah, 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 blah. That, you know, someone was like, nah, bro, I can't, I can't fuck with you no more because this is, you know, you doing this. Like, I'm going to run back and say, I know exactly where you can get someone there at this. <laughs> at, no, like, so right, it, right. It, it was rough. I lost a lot of, uh, people that I spoke to, um, back mm-hmm. then on the personal world. But then even on the job itself, you know, it's pretty bad because as a black male that's in law enforcement, there's definitely a division in there because you have black officers, men and women that kind of, we just click together. And the, the, the other minority, you know, excuse me, not minorities, but the other nationalities, they click together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's, that's just what it is. You know, it's definitely, definitely a difference. And we've had debates, you know, even on the job about, mm-hmm the way you can handle something and the way you should handle something. Because in my opinion, I, and I, I tell people this and I'm proud of it. I have never had a use of force incident that was initiated for me. I've been involved in them, but none that were initiated for me because I believe that police work is 95% talk and how you talk to people. Mm-hmm. You know, you get people all the time that come up to you. And they'll say, man, you look at you, you a pig, you brown nose, and you Uncle Tom, how could you do this? And mm-hmm. me knowing the black community, I grew up in the hood. And I understand, yeah. I told them, I said, look, you got your hustle, this is my hustle. And then when they sit there and you break it down to them like that, and I, I told them, I, I mean, most people that know me know I'm extremely blunt. So I said, you right. chose a hustle that got you locked up in here. I chose a hustle that's going to keep me paid off of your activity. Right, so basically it's holding like accountability to those people. So, you know, and that's it, you know, and then when you sit there and you talk to them and explain, you know, especially black people, they understand like everybody got their hustle. I can't can't knock the next man hustle. And that's all it is. So did you feel, you mentioned having the friends lost or... um, the people that you talked to, the people they decided to st- take a step back since you did get into law enforcement. Did that kind of open your eyes to the divide of um, police and community? No, because as a black man growing up, I already knew the divide between mm-hmm. police and community. You know, mm-hmm. I went in when I started the job. I had these big dreams and big aspirations, like like some officers do that go in saying, I actually want to make a change. You know, Mm -hmm. I want there to be a better relationship between law enforcement and the, you know, and the public. But I understand that I'm only one man. 
you know, so I can't do it all on my own. The people I've come right. in contact with that still see me on the street to this day, because these people remember you. What up, bro? I remember, man, you know, such and such, man, you was cool, you was cool, you was cool. And that's the way it should be, because I view law enforcement as not as a as me to sit there and be like, oh, I'm top dog, I'm this and that. It's like, no, this needs to be, and it's truly like a, the true definition of a peace officer. My job is to sit here and just make sure everything runs smoothly in the city. I'm not trying to see more black people get locked up. If I can come here and, mm-hmm. you know, you got a domestic issue or whatever the case may be and I'll come to the scene, it's as simple as, bro, just get up out of here real quick before this shit escalates. All right, right, bro. You right. know, I, I got you. I'm out. You know, mm-hmm. but you don't. Other people don't do that. You know, other nationalities, right. and you know, the one thing is, and it, I'm a true advocate of this. I truly believe there needs to be more black officers. Mm-hmm. If you live mm-hmm. in a certain city where the majority of your population are black, unfortunately, the way the world works is perception is reality. So these people watch the news and they think that all black people are animalistic and they're crazy and they're aggressive. So they live in suburbs and then they drive into work every day with the perception that these people are just criminals. When Mm -hmm. I truly believe as a black man, we do things differently as black people. We talk differently. If I come and I'm Mm -hmm. talking to you, it's been several times I'll sit there and talk to people and I'll be like, hey, what's going on? Man, Man, this is bullshit, blah, 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 blah. Bro, chill out. It ain't that serious. <laughs> you know, and then chill out. Yeah. But you got some white officers, as soon, well, some other officers, I, I, I don't want to say white, but <laughs> you got other people <laughs> that as soon as that person starts to get aggressive, they hand is on their gun. Right. Or they sitting there starting to get standoff, and it's just like, dude, it's not that serious. He just getting loud. Like, he not getting beastie with you. He ain't putting his hands up like he trying to square up with you or nothing like that. He just, that's the way mm-hmm. we talk. Right. So would you agree that um, that there's a over precaution with some of the new police officers coming into the field? Do you think that they're one not ready to under trained or what do you think it is for this hypersensitivity? Because um, me personally, I had a conversation. Uh, it wasn't a police officer. It was with a paramedic. Mm-hmm. And he uh, mentioned to me that um, it is their job to, you know, serve and protect, to help save people when they're um, in tragic situations. Mm-hmm. But uh, their protocol is if there is gunfire or if there is any hazard and they do see any a person who is wounded or harmed, that they are not to go attend to that person until the coast is clear to it's a safe place for them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did mention, he was like, yes, I'm a paramedic, but I want you to understand that I have a family too. Right. I have a family at home. Um, and in a sense, I'm, <clears throat> I'm working the front, the front line mm-hmm. for my city, for my community. In a sense, putting my life on the line for whoever it is, life that I'm saving, mm-hmm. um, which ga- which gave me a different um, perception on those who are in the police field, who are paramedics, nurses, doctors, all of those people um, that really have like close knit contact with people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it just put a different um, spin on it because I, I never thought of it that way. But when you think of it that way, um, how do you feel about um, police force and the dynamic of them also to having family in the background? Okay, well, to, to touch on your first uh, question um, mm-hmm. regarding training, I, yeah. I think that like anybody with any job, you know, it doesn't matter if you work in, in, in the restaurant industry, you work in law enforcement, you work in customer service. We all start a job and you're trained one way. But it's mm-hmm. up to you to take those tools and, you know, apply them when you're out in the real world. So I'll right. give you an example. When I was when I went through the academy, we were taught this and taught this. And, you know, how to tell if someone I can say you don't know for a, a to the T because we're not medical experts, but we spent right. days looking at, you know, excited delirium, you know, demonstrations and all these yeah. other things to see if someone may be out of it. Um, wow. So you have this training and this knowledge, but what happens is this, at least for me and my situation. So right after the Academy, they paired me up with my FTO, my, uh, my trainer, my field training officer. And he was a black man. Coolest dude in the world, but he he was a dick. I gotta I just gotta be real. You know, <laughs> when I'm sitting there, no, seriously, because I'm looking at some of the things and some of the stuff we respond to, and I'm sitting there kinda like, bro, you need to chill out. Like this it's not that serious, you know. Mm-hmm. So and especially working for the sheriff's department, you work in the jails, you work the freeways, you work the airports, you work the parks. So when I started, mm-hmm. I was in the jails. And I'm looking at these cats. And, you know, they they knew that I was new because they had never seen me and they knew that he was a trainer. And they like I remember talking to people and they saying, bro, don't ever be like that. Don't ever be like that. And I knew that I did not want to be like that because he I mean, yes, people are inmates. But like I told people when I was on the job up under this uniform, I got on a hang T-shirt and Fruit of the Room jaws just like you do. Right. You know, so it, the, the only difference between you and I is this is my job, you know. So I, it's difficult, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, and then to your other point about, you know, making sure you go home to your family and being on the front line and stuff like that. That is definitely something you have to think about, because my cousin uh, she was on the job and has been on the job for, you know, quite some time before she just uh, retired, and, you know, and congratulations to her. Yeah, I know. 30, 30, what, 33 years old and said, I'm retiring. So go ahead, girl. Right. Um, <laughs> but I remember when I started, I asked her, I said, and I was still in the academy. I said, I don't know if I have the ability to take someone's life. I said, because that's, okay. that's, that's, that's a big deal, you know, that taking is. someone's life. And mm-hmm. she said, and she told me, and it sticks with me to this day. And I, and I, every day I put my damn duty belt on and got changed. Somebody got to go home that day. Who is it going to be? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it going to be you mm-hmm. or is it going to be them? You right. know, when the shit really hits the fan and I'm saying like an extreme mm-hmm. circumstance, where, you know, I'm, I'm not saying just going out vigilanteism, just kicking ass and taking names later. But if the ship mm-hmm. hits the fan and there's a gun on you and there's I have my gun on them, 
Who's going mm-hmm. home? And that's a legitimate question. And some people disagree with it, but that is a legitimate question, a legitimate argument. Yes, you are trained yeah. on where to shoot, how to shoot, and all this other good stuff. But bullets don't mm-hmm. have a name, and they get, they fly wherever they want to. Very true. So my mom used to say that all the time. Bullets do not have a name. Yeah. Keep your butt up in that house. Yeah, and you know, and that's one of the things you hear with people, especially nowadays, and even over the years, they say, "Well, why don't you just shoot them in the leg?" Or if someone has a gun at you, why don't you just shoot them in the hand? I'm like, nigga, you know how hard that is. Like, <laughs> I. True. You know, to just imagine sit, someone running and you're just trying to aim for their it's knee. Not as, right, it's, it's not like, very cut and dry. Yeah, it's, it's not, not just no. I'm I'm not a sharpshooter, you know, and I have a handgun, exactly. you know. So mm-hmm. you know, it's just <laughs> like I'm sorry, I'm not a, a sharpshooter for the American. Yeah, American I mean, society. I've been trained, but man, damn, you know, not that well, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but no, I mean. To, to to what the paramedic was saying, you are out there and you are front line. I think mm-hmm. to the um, what the problem is is that so many officers. Because your question was, you know, newer officers coming mm-hmm. in. I think, like I said earlier, perception is reality for some people. So they come mm-hmm. in and they just see negative stuff they see negative stuff on the news and they just think especially let's say i grew up 45 minutes away from a major city and i live in my cushy little suburb suburb and then i know i'm driving 45 miles into my you know this inner city when i'm looking at all these guys big black men you know that to them are intimidating and it's like they don't know how to handle it because so I think that's why they get gun happy. And I, you know, yeah. I've seen a lot of people that I know for me, I never really had to put my gun on, my, you know, hand on my gun like that. Mm-hmm. But you're trying to keep your finger on your trigger guard. And right. I think what happens is a lot of people, they just put their finger on the trigger and you train to keep it on the trigger guard because in that moment, emotions are high, anxiety yeah. kicks in and you will squeeze that damn thing without even knowing, knowing that you squeezed it. Mm-hmm. So you keep it on the trigger guard to prevent you from doing all of that. But, uh, even, you know, it, go ahead. To speak to that uh, high anxiety, um, my thing is what I like for a lot of people to take heed to is if you've never been in such a high anxiety situation as such, then I don't expect you to really understand a person uh, reacting, having the reactions that they do to certain things, not saying that certain reactions are justifiable. Um, But I would say having been in high stressful situations before where things have uh, turned out ways that I'd never like expected them to, it is, it's really, it's different. It's different because you have to really, you have to think about what you're going to do, but all thinking is out of the window once you realize that things are going to either be life or death. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want some people to understand that there, there is no thinking. Like there is no logical thinking when placed in those positions for people who have lost their lives 
and for people who have been in the unfortunate position to have to uh, shoot to kill. That's um, that's that that's kind of a double edged sword, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yes, when you when you in the heat of the moment, if you don't think that you are a, a quick thinker and logical thinker, then this is not the job for you. You cannot the sit there. That I believe that a lot of people they think they. I really honestly feel a lot of people have been going into these jobs, these high stress jobs, for a paycheck. This generation is all about money and quick money at that. So my thing is, um, I've heard a lot of people saying, "Oh, like I remember there was like this massive opening." For people signing up to be um, police officers. Yes, I remember and that. And the only thing I heard associated with that application I'm gonna get paid. Was, oh, I'm gonna get paid. That's mm-hmm. a check. But like hindsight, let's think about what's behind this application. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think they thought about that. But no, you, and, and a lot of people don't. And you know, the thing is, a lot of people nowadays just do look at, at numbers. I think. Mm-hmm. I, I believe the base salary is around 50 grand or so, um, okay. where we live, but it's nothing for us to bring in a hundred, 110 a year, um, mm-hmm. with all the overtime and stuff. But see, but that's what I'm saying. Yes, it's a stressful job. Yes. I, I but I do, I cannot say I'm on board when you say that <laughs> thinking goes out the window in that extremely stressful situation because at the end of the day, this is what you're paid to do. You're paid mm-hmm. and your job is to be above and know the situation and have better control of the situation than this person or this suspect that you're trying to deal with. So mm-hmm. I cannot be quick just to shoot. I cannot be quick to react. You, When right. you are in law enforcement, Joe, you have to think about a million different things at once and come out with mm-hmm. the best resolution. But that, unfortunately, what we're seeing now and what has been going on for years they do not take that time to think about the best resolution. It's about, I'm going to kick some ass and take some names like that. And that was a motto when I was on the job. I'm going to fuck them up first, and then I'll ask questions later. And I disagree with that. You know, right. so you, you you have to, if you come on this job, and a lot of people are good. They When you start this job, you have to do a psych evaluation. They do a psych. Yeah, they do. Okay, a, that's good for me to know. So they do a psych evaluation, but it's basic questions. It's not like okay. they're sitting down doing like family history and you go after session after session after session. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you agree that they should have something more invasive with the psychological portion of it? I definitely do. But then with that being said, it, that most likely will never happen because I have, you think when, when this hiring session just happened, um, when they did this, I think they had 6,000 applicants. Okay. So out of this, those 6,000 applicants, maybe 3,000 got invited to test. Out of the 3,000 that were invited to test, maybe 1,500 passed the test and were placed on the waiting list. So then now I have okay. to interview all these people, figure out, rank them. Some people get certain credits if they were in the military. You get certain credits if you live in a city. You get other credits mm-hmm. depending on how well you test it and all this other stuff. And they try to choose the best of the best out of this 6,000 people that apply. So okay. when you go, that's and tough. It, it, it's tough, but that's exactly what I'm saying. It's a lot for administration that are hiring these people 
but there needs to be a better job. There needs to be a better job because unfortunately, one of the things is if you apply as a black man or a black woman, you dare, you damn near guaranteed to get the job because they need black people and they will put you in that position and they will tell you, I gave you this job because you're black. Wow. Oh, oh, let me tell you some law enforcement is one of the most brutally fucking tell you how it is to your face. And you bet not say a damn thing about it professions ever okay so it's not just and that's what i'm saying a lot of people think that it's stress just from the people in the job no a lot of this stress comes from your bosses and your co-workers okay. and your partners you know it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's a stressful position all the way around and then when you get in and you leave and you want to come back to your community and kick it with your people they don't want to mess yeah. with you either so then you feel right. isolated so that's really intense because I, I can't imagine going into a work field that would change the enti- my entire social life. Mm-hmm. Like that's because um, I can ex- I can think that that will also play on some people. It's like, dang, I took this job and now one, no one trusts me or two, people see me differently or don't think that I'm trustworthy. Mm hmm. So having the experience that you do, what was your initial reaction to the brutality among your African-American community as a police officer? Uh, you know, that that's one that me and a lot of people get into it with, you know, because they mm-hmm. a lot of folks know my past and know that I've been on the job. And then it's like, well, what does Dominique have to say about this? And it's like you choose to yeah. pick the job, the blue line or your blackness. And for mm-hmm. me, I've always, even, I don't care if it's people coming to me talking about their relationships. I remain yeah. silent until I get both sides of the story from him and her, and then I can make a determination. So then it's the exact right. same thing when I hear these cases on, you know, law enforcement officers, you know, shooting and killing someone. I say, I'm not saying a damn thing until I know the entire story, which is a lot of times you will never, ever know. But mm-hmm. when you have something that just happened out here in Minnesota, that yeah. that that was flat out murder. So you sure. you you cannot. <laughs> there's there is nothing to say about that, and I you know mm-hmm. a lot of times, and I've heard it. You know, on the jobs you hear, I can't breathe, or I can't this, and I can't that, and it's 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 so difficult and it's so touchy because some people say it just for you to leave them the hell alone. And then as soon as you back up off them, they take off running. Okay. And then some of them say it like this gentleman, George Floyd, you know, did and legitimately mm-hmm. mean it. Yeah. There's absolutely no reason to have your, you know, your knee on it, anybody's neck that long, especially once mm-hmm. they're in handcuffs. Once I have you subdued, I have you in custody. All bets are off. I'm done. My force is done. But Right. Go ahead. So for the, um, because I just want people to understand that his knee was on the back of his neck or was it just on his neck? But there were also three other officers applying force. Right. But, mm-hmm. So that was the thing that got me because 
initially my first reaction was like this police officer like i had no clue that there were others mm. i was just under the impression that there was just, just one, one yeah. man yeah so um once i saw that there were three others and um i don't i can't physically tell you if they had their knees on his back or on his lower back mm -hmm. or if they were still trying to restrain him or the i mean he the man was restrained mm -hmm. But they were still applying force. So, um, what initially is the protocol for restraining a person who is combative with force? <laughs> See, and that's the problem. <laughs> no, truly it is. Okay. Okay. There is really no right or wrong answer to subduing a, you know, a subject that is being combative. Okay. It's kind of mm -hmm. do what the hell you got to do to get this motherfucker down. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So you, I mean, yes, they're on paper. You can say what it is, but it, every situation, every scenario is, is, is different. I t I'm six foot four, 280 pounds. I'm not the smallest dude. And the person right. that gave me the most work, and made me sit there and be like, damn, I don't know if I need to be doing this job no more. Was five foot two and maybe a buck fifty. Wow. You know, it took wow. eight of us, dudes bigger than me, to get this dude down. Mm -hmm. So every wow. situation is different. And that's why I, the use of force is only, you can only put the amount of force that's really acceptable for that moment. But then most people look at me and say, man, you, you'll be able to take this little dude in a second. You, you know, we get, and, and what it was, was it was a suburb that called us out as conveyance because they, they couldn't get them. So we came out as backup because the sheriff's department was known was, okay, we, you motherfuckers get to the side. We're going to take care of this, you know? So we get there and it was like, oh shit. You know, <laughs> I'm standing up. I'm sweating. I'm panting. You know, and this little dude, and what it was, was he was going on four, I think he said he had drunk three or four, four locos. And, Ooh. you know, so what happens is every situation is different. It depends on if the person has, you know, substances in their system, if they don't have substances, if they're, you know, mentally, you know, have mental issues, if they don't, because the ment people that have issues mentally, oh, they strong as a fucking ox too. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, I can attest to that. I can definitely attest to that. I have had to restrain a person with mental disability. And let me tell you, I went flying because, you know, I only weigh mm -hmm. pounds. So, yeah, I could definitely attest to that. But just thinking about that being out in the field and then, uh, like you said, people are on different type of drugs and stuff like that. I can imagine how hard it is to yeah. Like really measure your comp, like the competition. Mm -hmm. Like it's not saying that it is a competition, but really measuring the opponent uh, because <coughs> you know you might be underestimating. Because like you say, he was off of four locals and all this other stuff, and then y'all was like, "Woo!" Okay. Yeah, you know. So it's it's kind of every situation is 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 is, diff is different. So you know, I'll I'll mm -hmm. speak on the, the the incident that we know about with that there's video footage with the gentleman, you know, um, George yeah. Floyd. Um, mm -hmm. 
in the video that I've seen, I mm-hmm. personally, as a previous law, you know, person in law enforcement, and that just solely off that, not even speaking as a black man, but just as my, you know, my, my, my history and my, my previous profession, I personally did not see anything that warranted the amount of force that they used. Okay. Um, I, I, yeah. I, based off what I saw, he was handcuffed. Mm-hmm. We do not know what happened in the back of the squad. For, for some right. freaking reason in the world, I do not know. It is beyond me. He goes in the squad, he gets out of the squad, and then now is on the ground. I could not tell you because for me, once I have you in that car, I'm closing that door. You can kick the door. You can kick the window. You can do whatever the hell you want. I'm done with you. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't know what the, in some places, you know, may, I don't know. Some places, maybe he was trying to put a seatbelt on them. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've never put a seatbelt on anybody back there. I'm just keeping it real with you. Shouldn't probably admit that, but I mm-hmm. did. Um, <laughs> so you back there. I, I I just don't get it. So that's why I say in this particular circumstance, this was murder. <laughs> you know, the, it, there is no other way to, yeah. to put it. That, that that was bad. And then when I learned, and this is the problem that you have to go back to your previous question about younger officers coming mm-hmm. in, the man that actually had his knee on his neck was the FTO. Mm-hmm. And one of the officers that is charged in this case had only been on a job four days. Woo! Oh, yeah. Serious? I yeah. didn't know that. Had only been on four wow. days. So he's watching his FTO do this. And let's say he went on thinking that this is the way it's supposed to be done. And this mess did not just happen here. He would have finished his training with his FTO and went out and started doing the exact same thing to other people same because thing. that's what he was trained. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that ooh, that is an extra heavy weight there because I can't imagine being four days into my new being job brought up on charges for murder. Actually on the mm-hmm. right, like that's that was my first like oh murder charges. Yeah, yep. after those after I started. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, like yeah, well, but see, it takes a go so, ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. So obviously, we know that it takes one sour apple to oh yeah. Lunch. But what is what is your uncut view of the fuck the police trend that's going on right now? Yes, <sighs> I think that like like what's going on and like to your point, you said one sour apple will ruin it for the bunch, and that's why mm-hmm. with anything, the minority will ruin it for the majority. I do believe in my yes. heart that there are more good peace officers and police officers than there are bad. But I can't agree with but you unfortunately the media portrays and you see all the bad stuff. So then it looks like everyone mm-hmm. is like that. So yeah. it's like anything you have to do when you work for a comp- corporation. It doesn't matter if I go in a subway and this person that subway that's making my sandwich is having a bad day. I'm not going to say, oh, just because, uh, you know, it was tripping. I'm going to say the people at Subway be tripping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. it's the sub- same right. thing. You know, 
I, I understand truly, truly, truly. I get everyone's frustration, um, with the, the slaughtering of us as black people. Um, the, the reckless disregard that they have for our lives. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I know it that they, they treat us subhuman yeah. and subpar. They don't view us as equal to them. And it's not necessarily the guys that are new on the job. It's the people that's been on the job forever that the new people kind of flock to. And then they start to listen to mm-hmm. these war stories of, man, I remember 15 years ago, I had this black son of a bitch that I had to. And then all of this stuff starts to embed in their, in their mind. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's tough. You know, that, that's what I said for yeah. me, I, I, I try my best to be as fair as possible. And that's why, you know, a, a lot of people would disagree with me. Some people are like, fuck the police, fuck all of them, burn, burn them all. And I'm like, well, I, I won't say that because I know several fucking police officers, myself included, that were cool. You know, I see people out in the yeah. street. What's up, man? What up, Deb? How you doing, man? You know, such, 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 such. And boom, you know, you don't have any issues. Yes, you have issues. I've gotten death threats. I've gotten all of that stuff and seen them people on the street mm-hmm. and then it's like mom's the word <laughs> you know but it's, it's, yeah. that's part of what comes with the job and you can't take that stuff home with you you know mm-hmm. so it's difficult because what happens and I, I'm guilty of this and it took my wife to change my perspective for years this was not an overnight mm-hmm. process if you go to work and you deal with some of the worst people in the world black, white, green, yellow, brown, pink, whatever, and all you're dealing with are rapists, murderers, thieves, con artists, you start to get this perception that everyone is like that in the world. So I'm dealing with these people 16 hours a day. I come home, I sleep, I go right back. And then when I finally left the job, it took like maybe a year and a half, two years for me to start to shift my perspective that not everybody is bad. Not everyone has an agenda, you know, and because my wife, it would kill her when we would go out and I'm just looking, I'm looking, I could see somebody white walking down the street. I'm like, look at this motherfucker. What they up to? Motherfucker, what the about to go? Go try to shoot up this school. You know, it's like that. <laughs> you know, that's just where my, my mind was, you know, it was like, look, you know, it's kind of like kind of like an unconscious PTSD. Like you're just kind of mm-hmm. like in civilization, just like yep. paranoid about things that could possibly yep. happen. I mean, you walk around and you could be anywhere. And like, like I said, for me, me personally, it wasn't black. It wasn't. It was everybody. I'm looking at it. I'm walking around. Mm-hmm. We could be at Summerfest doing something. I'm looking at everybody's hands. If I can't see you, if I didn't, you know... If I did not know my exit strategy, I did not want to go to it. My brain was just set up like that. <clears throat> I would go to a right. restaurant and I would demand to be sitting somewhere where I could see the door because I'm like, there's no way in hell somebody going to run up on me and I'm not knowing it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the crazy thing is I am, I've never been a police officer and I'm not mm-hmm. really naturally. Like, I go to a place, I want to know where the exit is. When I'm in big crowds, I'm looking at people's feet, I'm looking mm-hmm. at their hands, I'm looking at their pockets. Um, I'm just that way, very, I guess you can say very precautious, very paranoid. 
Um, but that's only due to so many crazy things going mm-hmm. on in this world now. So going into uh, my next question for you is that um, the most controversial topic right now, uh, which is the back and forth topic of the looting and aggressive mm-hmm. protests um, that have been happening towards all these dis- different businesses mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, what are your views on the protests and like the beginning of it kind of like, what has it been? It's been like what a week. Now yeah. Something that like that, you know? Protests? So for me, I kind of went through my phases and, um, in the beginning, mm-hmm. I, I was, I was saying people have a right to pro- protest, peacefully protest. I have absolutely no issue with that. But going in, looting, right. rioting, and all that other stuff, I have a huge issue with that. That's what I was saying in the beginning. You should not be doing that. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially, and I still feel this way, if you're doing it to your own damn neighborhood. But mm-hmm. someone said something. I was listening to him. And he said, in, in society, it's like we, we all have a, a, a nonverbal contract with each other of this is the way that we're supposed to act in society. We're not supposed to rob banks. We're not supposed to steal. We're not supposed to rob. We're not supposed to, you know, do all of these stuff, even though it's never said, it's just like, this is what we think in society. I'll be good as long as you'll Mm -hmm. be good. And that's the way most people think. But then Mm -hmm. if you have, and you live in a place where you see, societal issues constantly being taken from you, people coming into your community, beating your ass, killing you, murdering you, pulling you over for no damn reason, frisking you and touching you and assaulting you for no reason. Why should I feel that I should hold myself to the same societal standards if society is not holding the standards for me? And when he said that, I said, damn, you know, I, 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 I can't agree more. If I live day to day trying to be my the best citizen that I possibly can, but I have police officers that come into my community and strip me and make me feel subhuman, why should I continue to live by the standards that society has set forth for me when they're not abiding by those same standards for me? So my my right. I still feel the same way that it should not Riding in, in the, in the, the, the bad protest, I still disagree with it, but my perspective now is I am trying to choose my words carefully. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, uh, I disagree with it. I don't condone it, but I understand. Yeah. Yeah. That was okay. So I'm gonna be honest because me and Jalen, we've had this debate, we've had this back and forth, um, and I have to say I have the exact same stance as you with the looting and the uh, vigorous rioting and everything. I don't believe that um, people should be, you know, destroying the businesses within their community, but I understand. Mm-hmm. The anger, I understand the mourning, I understand the grief, um, but at the same time, like when I think about people looting and stuff, it just 
for me, I'm thinking like, okay, well now you're giving them something mm-hmm. to go by. You're giving them something to hold. Like, well, look yeah. at how they're acting. Like, I mean, because that's how they do. It's like, oh, well, if I tell her uh, young lady this and then she gets aggressive and she gets angry, oh, she's going to fight me. She's going to slap me. She's going to... You're giving them something to kind of hold on to. Like, well, look mm-hmm. at her behavior. How can you not say that these people aren't animals? Um, when it all really is just a serious build-up reaction to um, basically the mm-hmm. straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and uh interview, I heard it, the guy, he was saying, he was like, it's basically like these guys have basically woke up mm-hmm. a sleeping giant. And in a sense, I think that's very true because uh, the African-American community, <clears throat> they have been fighting so long to be heard when the white community have, whenever they have an issue, they fight mm-hmm. to be served. I think that um, the black community fights so much to be heard compared to being served when all communities should be served. And it's but, you know, I'm going to give a, a personal experience that happened to me. It's not even always just about mm-hmm. fighting to be heard. It's just a matter of it just happens okay. to you. I was working a job okay, once yeah. and they called the police on me. But, you know, I took a car home. I was driving over the road. I took the car home. I was tired. I get back. I knew I had to be right back the next day. So we had cars on property that we could take and, you know, go grocery shopping or whatever. So instead of taking my car, my battery was dead. I said, I got to be back here in eight hours anyway. I'm just going to take their car. I said, it was, I think, three in the morning when I got back in town. So rather than wait for AAA, I said, screw it. I'm taking this car. I'll bring it back at, you know, 11 or whenever I get back. So they called me in around nine in the morning. I'm trying to make this long story very short. They say, what do you know about people having, you know, company property? I said, I don't know. I said, but I took the, you know, the car home last night. And they said, well, we think that you tried to steal it. I said, what? So they called the police on me. Called the police on me. Had me arrested. Um, And since I was on the job, I asked, I said, well, all I ask is that I be taken out with dignity. The female officer, you know, that was, she was an Asian young lady. She said, absolutely no problem. She said, you know the deal. Don't run. If you run, I'm going to fuck you up. I said, I got you. So (laughs) once they see me walking out, my white manager says, why isn't he in handcuffs? And she said, well, you know, he, this is just something we're doing for him. So he said, no, I demand that he gets put in handcuffs. And she said, she looked at me and she said, you know, I got to do it. I said, yeah, I got you. So then when he, she puts me in handcuffs, he comes up to me and he says, now I got another chance to lock up one of you black bastards. That's exactly what he whispers in my ear. And anybody that knows me and knows me well knows that everything I've ever tried to do in life was to keep from becoming a statistic. I've been working since I was 14. Mm -hmm. I went to school. I got two degrees. I've been working, 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 busting my ass, trying to do this just to never have that, you know, to become arrested or be a statistic and all it took for this one act was to sit there and and give me a record and that's what happened Mm -hmm. so it's not about necessarily just being heard it's about dude like you just you just wanted to do it and as a black man it's like yeah 
you cannot win for losing. I remember I was somewhere and a white man came up, grabbed my arm and told me, damn, he said, I would have made big bucks on you at auction back in the day, back in the day. Oh, yes. This is the shit that we live on a day to day basis that when you try to tell somebody this, they say, oh, no, racism is dead. Why, you know, and I don't understand why we can't get past this. It's because when you are constantly you may feel that way. You may feel that racism is dead because you may genuinely not have a racist bone in your body, but the vast majority of other people do. So when you live this and you go through this on a day-to-day basis, you get tired of it. So do you feel that since people are getting tired of it and with the protests, um, that was going to <coughs> my next question. So thank you very much for that transition. <laughs> Some of the uh, changes that have been occurring um, since the riots and um, the protests have started have been like in Dallas, they've adopted the duty to intervene rule that requires officers to stop other cops who are engaging in inappropriate use of force. There's that's always been, been a thing. That's nothing um, new. It's called an over. That's nothing, oh, that's new. nothing that's new. That's in training. It's called an officer override. So what? What's the deal? Like, what, what, why are we, we missing out on override? Because what that. happens is some people form a brotherhood. Like, I've had a situation where I had to be overridden. Somebody came and they had to pull me okay. out of a situation because I was about to go completely bananas on this chick. Um, so what happens is you're told sometimes the emotions, yes, you're trained to try to sit there and do it, but sometimes human nature just kicks in. And your emotions, you lose it. So what happens and what causes people not to override is because they form that buddy system. But they be like, oh, this is my guy. I'm just going to let him do this. But I'm glad that I was cool with my my people on the job, whether they were black, whether they were white, that came and overrode, you know, overrode me in my situation because I could have lost my job had I continued to do what I was doing with this young lady. So what happened was... We were on the scene somewhere and this chick threw her fucking shoe at me and like just, yeah, right at my face and bare. Oh, yeah. Just boom, 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 boom. It was like I heard the wind pass my fucking ear. So I tell her, I said, you got one more fucking time to throw something at me. And I'm still being cool because most people would have just charged her ass up right then and there. I'm like, don't throw no fucking shoe at me, you know, again. She's like, fuck you. She was, she was Hispanic and she's fucking, you know, speaking, speaking Spanish. I didn't know what the hell she was saying. I knew it wasn't good. And she takes off the other one and throws it right at my fucking head again. So by this time, I'm charging her ass like full fucking speed. So you got one of my, my, my good buddies. I still, you know, talk to him to this day. He grabs my belt. Another took three dudes to pull me back. And they was like, dude, Anderson, Anderson, relax, relax. Like, I'm like, no, I'm going to kill this bitch. You know, I wasn't really going to kill her. But, you know, it's like, oh, fuck that. You don't throw no shoe at me. And I did nothing to you, you know. And she's sitting there. And what what pissed me off about this situation was that my lieutenant happened to be on the particular scene. And she wasn't an ugly chick. She was actually pretty good looking. And he comes up to me and he says, I'm not going to say what the man sounds sound like, but um, he, he, he said him up to me. He said, Anderson, 
relax. She's probably having a bad day. I'm like, fuck her bad day. You don't throw two fucking shoes at me and think that it's, you're going to just fucking get away with this shit. So he tells me, I, I shit you not. There was a Walgreens around the corner. He said, go around to the Walgreens and get us some flowers. I looked at this what? motherfucker like he had lost his entire mind. Me, my partner, my other partner, you know, my other, we sitting there looking at each other like, is this motherfucker serious? I'm like, I ain't buying a fucking <laughs> shit. You can kiss my entire ass for that. You can go to IA if you want to, but I am not doing that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I lost it in that moment. You know, my emotions definitely took mm-hmm. over because I felt disrespected you know so for me it was like lady i ain't doing nothing i came over here i'm cool calm and collected and you think you just gonna throw a shoe at me mm-hmm. uh, first time i let it slide like and i told you don't, don't do that shit again and you do it again mm-hmm. with a smile on your face oh no nah, it's this like i said i grew up in the hood and no matter what training you mm-hmm. you go through the hood come out at you, you know, come out of you like, I'm finna get this bitch. You know, it's, <laughs> you ain't finna throw no motherfucking shoe. Like, yeah, you ain't finna throw no motherfucking shoe at me and think it's sweet. So it, I was not thinking, my mindset was not, I'm a cop and you disrespected law enforcement. It was you disrespected Dominique, mm. you know? <laughs> so. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, is that rule enforced in all states or cause I know that Dallas, they said that they were implementing it. So that's why I was confused. Like, so do we know that they don't have it? Or is this something that is state, you know, like from state to state to state? Okay. Do the protocol. So as part of the state of Wisconsin, LESBs, it's trained. But Mm -hmm. different states have different things. Like I know down south, a lot of them use okay. post. Uh, I think it's police officer standard okay. test. I believe that stands for. I'm not sure. Don't quote me. Um, and I, I know here is law enforcement standards board. Uh, but each each place has their own guidelines that they do. And with that, I can say okay. that in Wisconsin or any place that practices LESB is taught to mm-hmm. the officer override. I don't know which states, you know, have that, but I do know, I mean, I, I did go down to Georgia. I went through a partial academy in Georgia when I was uh, thinking about being a cop down there and I I was not in it long enough to, to know the, the inner workings. I do not see why it wouldn't be. It could be Dallas Mm -hmm. trying to pull a publicity stunt and make people feel good, but it also could be that they maybe never had it in place. I, I don't know, because literally mm-hmm. you can live in, you know, Detroit. And then it was a, a, a suburb of Detroit. Well, I'll, I'll use, you know, Milwaukee. You can live in Milwaukee and then you go to Wauwatosa and Greenfield and Greendale. And e- all three of them will have different rules and regulations. So it's very difficult mm-hmm. to say, is that something like, oh, yeah, that's something that's been in place. Because you literally, each and every municipality has they own set of rules that they follow. So for, um, since you said that that was already in place here, some of the other changes that have occurred, such as the monuments mm-hmm. of the Confederate 
um, celebrating monuments have been removed in several cities such as Virginia, mm -hmm. Alabama, and other states. Um, and then also the charges have been, uh, have been, how would you say, increased or more harsh? I don't know. But um, for the police officer that was charged, I believe before mm -hmm. he was at a third degree, um, and now is at second, they said that they couldn't do a first degree because it was not right. planned or intentional. Um, so, would you say that protesting the peaceful, the peaceful ones, you know, the peaceful ones, would you say that the peaceful protests have attributed to? those happenings in the community now that they're trying to uh pave a way to make these things happen okay see now we're getting into a situation this is why uh me and my wife got into it about this situation so <laughs> for me me personally protesting is not gonna do a damn thing that's the way i feel that's my personal mm -hmm. feeling mm -hmm. Yes, I believe right. that some of the protesting is making some other agencies and cities do certain things. But at the end of the day, when you stop protesting, it's going to go back to the same thing. Mm -hmm. So what me and my wife got into it about mm -hmm. is I said, people need to become educated on their city council, their mayor, their governor, their lieutenant governor, their attorney general. And all this other good stuff. And if you cannot name those people, then you already messed up because you have to put people in place that have your back. So what happens, and this is why I advocate, especially us black people voting. So many people just focus on presidential, you know, elections when there's so much more that right. you, you can right. elect your That's alderman, you know, your city council, your mayor. All of this good stuff, you have to know who you're putting in place that has your interest at heart. So if you are not doing that, and that's my same message I will put out to anyone protesting, is take this same thing, go in masses while you're sitting here protesting, and take y'all asses to this polling booth when it's time to sit there. And I, I don't know, um, I think we just passed elections for, um, you know, a lot of, city and local government stuff but still you have to go out here and become knowledgeable on who is your alderman a lot of people can't tell you who their alderman is a lot of folks don't know that you can write your alderman a letter. I don't give a damn if you sit there and say hey this fucking damn gas station or whatever right here people walk through my grass and this and that I think we should have a meeting to you know figure out if we want to close this damn thing and if you get enough people in your community that come to this town hall meeting and say this damn corner store is a nuisance. They will take a vote. And then that ottoman will say, I'm going to move to have their license revoked so they cannot open again. People have to understand their power and vote. If you have an issue, you have to get the people in place that would do this. Just like when, you know, uh, Barack was president. A lot of folks, you know, sit there and say, oh, yeah, he was this and that. Barack couldn't really do shit because they were the Senate was ran mostly Republicans. And I don't completely, you know, say I'm a Republican, Democrat, or either one. But the president can only do what the Senate allows. And so many people think the president can just go snap his fingers and this is going to happen. So I do feel, to answer your question, that some protests 
are helping with smaller issues, but you're going to have to get out and vote and get these old ditties out of office that's been sitting in their Senate seat and in a, you know, mayoral seat for the past 30, 40 years and still got old mentality thinking and get new blood in there. That's the only way you're going to really invoke change. So with the voting, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I am such an advocate for voting. Ever since I've had the privilege, the opportunity to vote, I voted in every single election that I possibly could, um, with the exception of two elections that just recently happened that I wasn't able to make it to, and also because I had just moved to a new district and didn't know, you know, like what the process mm-hmm. was for over here in West Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know over here was stylist where to go vote. So right. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to just, as much as it killed me or hurt me not to vote, I did not vote. But I do hold myself accountable for this November election to vote. Um, but outside of that, like you said, knowing your alderman and everything, and just knowing how the Senate works, knowing how your government systems work, I think it's very important. And I think that's also why they placed it in schools for you to actually have to sit in these government classes. I had to sit in a government class. I don't know if you did, but I had to sit in a government class. And they taught us about the different tiers, what they do, why it's important, and how they specifically um, touch or reach the community. And how that can impact the community, how that can impact your people. And one thing that really stood out to me the most was just like how things don't really push, don't really shake or change a lot. Because I see a lot of old hags, like just a lot of exactly old people. The issue is you guys old people like, with old mentalities and still looking at black people as niggas then you really think they're going to sit there and go up there and be like, oh, let's change it, make it better. Somebody, I was was watching this thing the other day where he sat there and he said, you cannot ask the person that's oppressing you to stop oppressing you. Mm -hmm. Damn, I I couldn't say it any better. Yeah. Person holding you down. (laughs) Right, because it's just like, um, it's basically like you're trying to tell an 80-year-old woman to change her ways in the in 2020. A person who, who is of age, of such seasoned age and have seen so much in history is not going to change their ways, their ideas, their morals, the things that they were brought up in. And if they're in office, do you think that they're going to shift their move just because you want them to? Yeah. No. It just doesn't work that way. And, um, the, you know, the biggest thing about voting that annoys me and pisses me off so much is <clears throat> the fact that people will sit and say, well, you know, voting is rigged and uh, the voting system is rigged. And even if I vote, it won't count and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. And my thing still stands. Your ancestors have fought for the right to vote for years. And regardless of the system being rigged or whatever it is that you believe from conspiracy or whatever the fact is, because you don't have any concrete proof until you can bring it to me, then I will, you know, go with what you have to say. Mm-hmm. But even with that, why would you still not take the chance 
to vote mm-hmm. for your for your vote to actually count and not be counted as that conspiracy or be counted as that you know vote that didn't go through or whatever the case may be i don't care if it comes to um people believing that there's so much controversy in um votes counting and everything like the numbers and everything like that i just want to know that i did my duty i did what i needed to do to make a change and regardless of if um whatever the odds are that way i did the job i did the job like why would you not take that chance that well honestly this is this is this is this is what I think it is for um, a lot of people that, that don't vote or choose not to vote and that mm-hmm. say that same thing of, you know, it's not going to matter anyway or whatever. I think what happens is there are a lot of people that put it in place to make black people think that their vote will not count, you know, and it's like you have to understand that they, they, they're going to let you believe that. Because they don't want you to get out and vote. You saw what happened, you know, when, when, when Barack, you know, ran for president, they said, damn, we ain't never seen numbers like this. So what happened is if you let people believe that voters oppressed, because what's going to happen? If, if, if I'm a black person that says, let's say I have 10 black people over here that say, Oh, there's no point in me voting. And you got the 10 white folks that want their person to get in and they go vote. Who going to get it? So you have to sit there. I can say we have 11, just to split it up. 11 blacks that want a person. They have 10, but we sat down and didn't do shit. Them 10 people still got what they want because 11 of us could have went and did it, but you feel like your voice doesn't matter because that's what they want you to believe. They want you to believe that your voice does not matter. They want you to believe that it's rigged against you, so you sit your ass at home and do not vote. Right. And then my thing is, too, like you have this such a strong point of, oh, I'm not going to vote because my it doesn't count. And to your point of like they don't want you to go vote. So why are you doing what they want you to do? It stands so strong to like that stands so strong against what you guys are protesting for. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to go vote, you're giving into what these people want you to do because this election is so important. Like, I can't stress it enough. That um, election of when Obama was um, elected into office for another term, like, I was just like, if this does not prove to you that your voice counts, your vote counts, it counts and that the mass majority is you, then... I don't know what else there is possible that anybody can do like to like make you see it or make you understand. But yeah. I just think that people need to understand. Well, they always come back with the argument of, well, look at the, uh, the election with Trump and, and Clinton, um, yeah, where she won Hillary. the popular vote, but he won the electoral vote. And I think that that's because even me, I was guilty of not being educated on what the electoral college was. And I had to, you know, educate myself on what the electoral college was. And I realized, like, oh, it has to do a lot with districting. So then that's why mm-hmm. you do censuses and then how many people in certain areas. So I can sit there and be like, oh, they won Ohio or, you know, but the mass majority of Ohio went here. So that's who we're going to give mm-hmm. it to. And it's like, no, that's why it's important for black people to get a good on vote. Because I can say, oh, well, 
such and such one Wisconsin, but a lot of them said this in Milwaukee, so we got to give it to this person. But right. since, you know, if you have to, you have to, you have to go. And like I said, as long as you continue not to, they winning at the end of the day because you got these same old fuddy duddies sitting in their chairs, not making a damn difference. I'll I tell you this much: as a person that studies, you know, and, and, and real estate and all this other good stuff and investment properties, I've learned now that, and that's why I said I don't consider myself a Republican or Democrat because a lot of my mm. stocks and stuff like that, oh, are 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 um. It's very nice what the Republican uh, Party has done for me financially when it comes to not having to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, pay certain things. And just like when it comes right, to, you know, right. real estate and stuff, a lot of people don't realize that a lot. I mean, people that have landlords, they'd be like, man, you know, my landlord is tripping. But who's writing the laws for the landlords? These people that have seats and, you know, Senate and all that other good stuff. Right. And guess what they are? Mm-hmm. Landlords. So they write right. the laws to benefit them. People mm-hmm. that are sitting in these seats are not doing it to benefit the people. They're doing it to benefit themselves and people like them. Right. So you got to sit there and you got to know that, you know. Right. You have to, like, I couldn't stress it enough for uh, all of the listeners. Like, it is very important for you to get out and vote because, your vote, one, your vote counts. Two, your vote matters. And three, if you are out here protesting and you are out here for Black Lives Matter, even if you are going to vote based off of just the fact that um, your ancestors and stuff fought for this, your ancestors fought for the right to vote. They fought to be able to not have to drink at separate bubblers or stand in separate lines or even to be able to be employed at the same place as Caucasians. Mm -hmm. And my thing is, if you are going to say Black Lives Matter, make it that voting matters as well. Because voting is really going to attest to if your protest is going to count or not. Yeah, true. And that, but see, even with that being said, I know me and my wife had a, a discussion about this and it, and you know, my, my best friend and even my close cousin, they can tell you, I've been saying this thing for years about, it's like I just said, you can't ask the people that's oppressing you to stop oppressing you. And I don't see that changing mm-hmm. in this country. I've been saying that I know this is kind of going way left field. Um, a little bit from what our topic is, but I believe yeah. in my heart of hearts, that black people need their own everything. Just like yeah, you had Black okay. Wall Street back in the day, we need our own everything. We need our own form of government. We need our own constitution. Mm-hmm. We need our own seat. Mm-hmm. Like I was watching somebody say, we need our own seat at the UN. We need, mm-hmm. we're our own branch of people. You know, mm-hmm. we need to be our own entity. You know, so that's just my personal belief because as long as you keep asking the oppressed, the oppressors to stop oppressing you, it's never going to happen. Because unfortunately, Definitely. what happens is these old ditties and old biddies that sit in these seats, they have young children and they're influencing their children with their old, you know, ideologies mm-hmm. on the way the world should be ran and why it's ran this way and black folks are this and that. So even though they have a 20 year old or 30 year old child, their child is more susceptible to believe what their fathers and grandfathers has told them because they don't know anything about us as black people. 
So you have right. to stop asking the people that's oppressing us to stop oppressing us and get out and do your own damn thing and get your own. My personal right. I definitely agree with that. I definitely think uh, just learning also too a little bit more about Black Wall Street mm-hmm. or otherwise known as Greenwood. I definitely think that it would be more beneficial for the Black community to come together, like seriously knit, pick and come together, like to put something together for yourself. Um, it was done before, but I don't know what happened at the wayside that it was never picked back up. Um, White fear, or that, yeah, it's that's another thing. The fear, the fear of it being taken away from you. Mm-hmm. But um, what happened just, after that? And I'm, I'm gonna tell you, and I'm sorry to cut you off. What happened after that right. is what you know. The government and the, all these other agencies, after the Black Wall Street and all this other good stuff, they start instituting programs like the W two food stamps and all this other good stuff and a minimum wage program. Oh. And what that did is that made more Black people reliant on the system, and it kept them from going out here, getting their own things, and becoming their own bosses and relying on themselves. And they became more reliant on the government, which is yet another form and a way. Of keeping your people down. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of more sense to me. That makes way more sense to me because I was just really confused about okay, what was the aftermath of that? Like, how did we get here? Like, why did we not rebuild? Why did we not, Mm -mm. you know, get back to it? But that makes sense to me because they made it seem like, oh, we're making you equal to us. We're helping. We're helping you. It's exactly what it is. We want to help you out. We want to give you benefits and we want to do this and we want to do that when it's all a tactic to keep you down. It's all a tactic to keep you down because it's long and unfortunately, not all. I'm all for government assistance if you use it just truly as that assistance. But I have an issue with people that use it as a a tool that they live off of for 30, 10, 15, 20 years, you know, five, 10, whatever, you know, use it as, okay, yeah. I just lost my job. I got a family. I can't feed them. Okay, I started this new job, you know, two months later, I'm done with your assistance. Thank you for helping me out, mm-hmm. but I'm good, you know. But in the- Yeah, and that's how I see it, too. Like, I've been on assistance before, and I've been a diligent person of who wants to provide for herself, never wants to take advantage of any type of um, assistance. But when it came time for me to have assistance, I was grateful to be able to have it, but I knew that I did not want to depend on that. Um, In a sense, it makes you lazy Mm -hmm. and it makes you crippled to the idea that, oh, well, now that I have this, I don't have to do this anymore. Or maybe I should take less hours at work so that I can continue to. And that's all part of the plan. Mm It's just terrible. But I want to wrap up this episode and I just want to thank you so, 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 so much, Dominique, for coming on to my podcast show and, you know, taking one for the team (laughs) and getting interviewed about your experience as a police officer. I really appreciate it and I appreciate the service that you gave to the community. Um, 
Is there anything that you would like to uh, leave off? With? No, I mean, it, it, this was a good episode. I wish we had a lot more time to discuss it because this truly is one of those discussions that can go on and on for segment after segment. Um, I appreciate you having me on and um, giving just a little bit, a little taste and touch of what I went through. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I can imagine that it was way more to it than what I got, but uh, I definitely appreciate you going through that so that we can have more people on the front line that look like you. So uh, with that, guys, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. If you have any questions for me or for Dominique um, that I could probably post to him later and we could probably do another episode, then go ahead and DM me at The Naked Eye on Facebook or you can DM me on Instagram at the naked eye underscore underscore. We are currently undergoing some changes with the new look and the recording style and everything. So um hopefully you guys will continue to support in the year of twenty twenty. And I hope to have you guys again later. Bye. On the way to being free.